You're listening to Sermon Audio from Jerusalem Church, an independent Reformed church in Mannheim, Pennsylvania. Our expository preaching ministry is devoted to proclaiming the law and the gospel for the glory of God and the salvation, growth, and comfort of Christ's church. If you'd like to know more about our church, visit us online at JerusalemChurch.net. Here's a message that we hope strengthens your faith and comforts your soul. Think back over your life of the people that have influenced you the most, Uh, people like your parents or teachers, maybe coaches and pastors. We all need leadership. We benefit from it, and yet leadership is often abused. Even the best leaders sometimes misstep, and they cause people pain. And that said, we still need leaders, And when it comes to church leaders, it takes great discernment to know what kind of leaders we need, what kind of leaders we ought to submit to and imitate. Hebrews 13 instructs us, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Obey your leaders and submit to them for they are keeping watch over your souls As those who will have to give an account, let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Christ intends all that to protect and benefit his church. The church needs Christ-like leaders because local churches thrive under Christ-like leaders and local churches become synagogues of Satan and collapse under corrupt leaders. Christ's church needs leaders like himself. Tim Challies wrote an article titled Seven False Teachers in the Church Today. Here are the seven false teachers Challies lists. The heretic preaches a mixture of truth and deadly false doctrine. The charlatan preaches and shepherds in order to fill his wallet. The prophet preaches new revelation that he claims he received from God, but it's not found in Scripture. The abuser uses his church position to take advantage of people and to feed his lust for power, influence, prominence, and even sex. The divider stirs up conflict in the church to divide, disrupt, damage, and destroy. The tickler... Uh, seeks good approval ratings by preaching what people want to hear and not what people need to hear. The speculator is an innovator who, as Charlie says, tosses aside the bulk of the Bible's content and the weight of the Bible's emphasis in order to obsess about matters that are trivial or novel. Now, we could put names and theological frameworks to these. The list of false teachers and frameworks is long, and false teachers are most dangerous. Challies argues, quote, Satan's greatest ambassadors are not pimps, politicians, or power brokers, but pastors. His priests do not peddle a different religion, but a deadly perversion of the true one. End quote. 
Do you know how to discern whether church leaders are worth listening to, submitting to, and imitating? Jesus said, you will recognize them by their fruits. Now, Jesus' strong words in Matthew 23 protect us from bad church leadership. The woes Jesus gives train us to know what kind of church leaders to avoid and what kind of church leaders to follow and imitate. Matthew 23 trains us, essentially, in how to choose a church. The point I'd like to make is this. For your comfort, joy, and safety, avoid false leaders in the church and draw close to and imitate faithful teachers Christ graciously gives you. See, Christ graciously provides his church spirit-filled and godly leaders because he loves his people and he knows the importance and necessity of good leadership. It takes discernment then to know, to follow, and to imitate them. Jesus spoke these woes in Matthew 23 to warn and to protect the crowds and his disciples from soul-destroying hypocritical leaders. Matthew wrote this to help the church discern church leadership. So elders, we need Matthew 23 to inform and shape our leadership. Congregation, you need Matthew 23 for discernment as you submit to and imitate your shepherds, the one God God has provided you. We all need Matthew 23 because we all need the leadership Christ provides in his local church. Jesus warned his disciples, and he warns us too, beware of false prophets who come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. How will we detect them? We will recognize them by their fruits. False teachers will lead you away from the kingdom of heaven, while faithful teachers will lead you into it. By saying woe to you, Jesus publicly condemned the scribes and Pharisees for their hypocrisy. He exposed their hypocrisy, spiritual blindness, foolishness, greed, self-indulgence, spiritual deadness, and lawlessness. And this protected the crowds and and his disciples from soul-destroying church leaders. You'll notice that each time Jesus said woe to you, he shortly after used the word for which pinpointed the reasons for his public condemnation. So listen to the first woe again. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, here's the the reason for the first woe, you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. They were educated Old Testament scholars who should have been opening the kingdom of heaven for people by teaching them God's law and gospel and pointing them to Christ. Instead, they refused to come to Christ and his kingdom themselves and then prevented others from coming and entering. John 9 explains that the religious leaders put people out of the synagogue if they confessed Jesus to be the Christ. What a power play. That's not good church leadership. Jim Marshall, he was a former uh, defensive end for the Vikings. He's known for recovering a fumble and running it 
66 yards into the wrong end zone. And in celebration, Marshall threw the ball out of bounds, which resulted in a safety, which awarded the other points, the 49ers, two, two points. A very embarrassing moment. His self-assuredness ended up being quite embarrassing. False teachers self-assuredly lead people in the wrong direction away from Christ and his kingdom. It takes the spirit then and the, the, it takes discernment to recognize what that wrong direction is. Despite the opposition his face, Jesus taught people how to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus beckoned people to come to the Father through him. Jesus raised up and sent out the 12 apostles to preach the gospel in order to open heaven for people. For believers, Jesus provides faithful and godly teachers to his church today to preach the gospel and open heaven for all who believe. So as you trust and follow Christ, he will provide you church leaders who are submitted themselves to his reign and rule and who are entirely committed to leading you into the kingdom to thrive beneath the reign and rule of Jesus the Christ. Do you have the discernment to know who's leading God's people in? Many churchgoers, they want leaders who make them feel good about themselves and instruct them how to be good and upstanding and decent and moral people. And so... They turn to these teachers, flock after these teachers, but that kind of self-righteous and comfortable and law-driven leadership has no power, and it doesn't lead people to heaven. It leads people on a self-righteous and moral road to hell. Faithful teachers, worth following and imitating, are submitted to the dominion and doctrine of Christ themselves. And so they're then determined to take you with them to Christ and his kingdom and to find joy and to find strength in submitting to Christ in all things. Faithful shepherds are heaven-oriented shepherds who devote their lives to leading you into Christ's kingdom to submit to Christ the king himself. Friends, it is for your own comfort, joy, and safety that you avoid false teachers who are oftentimes very appealing and very popular. And it's important for you to draw ever so close to and imitate the faithful teachers that God has given you. Get close to those who are most committed to leading you into the kingdom. Get close to them. And if you submit to church leaders that are committed to leading you into the kingdom, you'll also notice that they're committed to helping you be like Jesus. So then, false teachers will try to force you to be like them, while faithful teachers will try to help you be like Jesus. 
Now you'll notice that the ESV does not have verse 14. So some translations do. For the sake of brevity, I'll simply say the best manuscripts do not include verse 14. Where verse 14 is included, some manuscripts put it before verse 13, some after verse 13. So verse 14 is likely a scribal insertion drawn from Mark 12:40 and Luke 20, verse 47. Jesus gives his second woe in verse 15. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, here's the reason for the second woe, you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. So here's here's a, a great reason why it's important to carefully discern who you follow and imitate. The scribes and Pharisees were church leaders who went to great lengths to gain converts to their Pharisaical version of Judaism. Proselytes uh, were Gentile converts to Judaism. And so the scribes and Pharisees converted proselytes to their Pharisaical approach to scripture and religion, to their set of laws, to their self-righteousness. They turned their converts into children of hell with their doctrine, with their shepherding, with their example. It's entirely different with faithful church leaders. They teach and lead God's people with law and gospel shepherding towards spiritual maturity in Christ. I think of John the Baptist in contrast here. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Christ. He came preaching repentance and the kingdom and the coming kingdom in Christ. He came preaching gospel. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John knew that he himself was not the Christ, but that he was sent to lead people to Christ. John knew his place, and he said, therefore, this joy of mine is now complete. He must increase. You remember what he followed? But I must decrease. John used his God-given leadership position to lead people away from sin and himself and to Christ, the king. John knew his place. But not only that, John lived an exemplary life of godliness. Jesus said, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. John's ministry was about Christ and living a godly life for God and his glory. The the danger of the scribes and Pharisees was that they tried very hard to make their converts just like them and not just like Jesus. Someone once said, what you win them with is what you win them to. Think about that. What you win them with is what you win them to. Joseph Smith claimed to see a vision of God the Father and Jesus Christ and allegedly asked Jesus which church he should join, meaning Presbyterians or Baptists or Methodists. And Joseph claimed that Jesus told him not to join any of them because they all were wrong and was the true church. 
Smith went on to teach many, many, many heretical doctrines. Today, there are over 16.8 million Mormons and over 54,000 Mormon missionaries spreading false doctrine and practices. Many people's souls are perishing because one confused and self-righteous man has convinced them to think and act like him instead of Jesus. Faithful teachers devote their lives to helping Christ, excuse me, Christ's church rightly understand the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And to helping Christ's church imitate Christ in obedience to God's law. Faithful shepherds don't just make up all these laws and then force you to follow the laws that they say are binding nor do they dismiss God's law. They simply give you God's law so that you know how to live and then they give you gospel so that you have the strength and the comfort and the hope and the motivation to live like Jesus. How church leaders think and talk about God's law and sin tells you a lot about the kind of leaders that they are. False teachers will help you justify your sin while faithful teachers will help you pursue righteousness. In his third woe, Jesus doesn't say, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, woe to you blind guides, you blind fools, you blind men. It was, it was as Jesus said back in Matthew 13, seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. The church leaders of the day we're spiritually blind, leading blind people deeper into sin. Jesus strongly, as you can read, but very lovingly, very lovingly, named their evils in order to protect God's people by steering them away from bad church leadership to himself and the new covenant leaders that he chose, namely the apostles and the elders that they eventually appointed. In verses 16 through 22, Jesus talks about oath-taking, which relates to the third and the ninth commandments. Jesus didn't forbid oaths. Here, Jesus is actually clarifying how oaths are, are rightly taken and kept. The scribes and Pharisees, they would rank oaths and wrongly taught that some oaths were not actually binding. Swear an oath by the temple? Ah, you're not bound by it, bound by it. All right, swear an oath, you know, uh, by the altar, well, you, you know, you're, you're not by, bound by that one. But swear an oath by the gold of the temple or the gift offered on the altar, well, then that oath is binding. Well, those laws were, were made up. They were contrary to God's own laws. And Jesus called out their blindness. The temple is sacred because God dwells there. So the gold of the temple is made sacred because it's used in the worship of God in God's temple. The gift on the altar is sacred only to the extent that it is rightly offered to and accepted by God in his temple. So even an oath improperly sworn by the gold or the altar or the temple or even heaven, oaths ought to be sworn, by the way, in God's name alone, is ultimately binding before God. The scribes and Pharisees had made up a system that helped people back out of their oaths 
So to swear an oath like this reveals that the person was never really intent on keeping the oath to begin with. Their system helped people trivialize and justify sin. Several years ago, Dad, Chris, and I went on a fly fishing trip to Ohio. First time in Ohio to to fly fish like this. And one day we were looking for the stream to get a place to to fish. And we ended up in some random church graveyard uh, way above the stream. Not the place we wanted to be. And we found ourselves uh, thinking, why on earth are we driving around in some random church cemetery Uh, on this fishing trip, and then we began to crack jokes uh, about this and thinking of scenarios, and so we started joking about what it would be like if we were actually fishing guides, uh, taking clients around without any clue where to go in Ohio, so they hire us to take them to these best spots, you know, on the stream, and we pull over to ask for directions because we have no idea uh, where to go, and we're like, hey, you know, this is, this is my first time in Ohio. We paid $1,000 to get these jokers to take us where they don't have any clue where we're going, so we're laughing hard about imagining what this would be. The blind can't lead the blind effectively. The blind will lead the blind into destruction. Many people flock to blind church leaders who help them justify sin. They'll tell you what your flesh wants to hear because they want to be justified in their own sin. They'll give you seemingly rational reasons as to why you can indulge in particular sins. And that's why false teachers are dangerous for you and me. Faithful teachers, on the other hand, will help you understand the strict demands of the law and will give you ample gospel to hearten you and encourage you and strengthen you. And they will carefully teach you how to joyfully obey Christ according to Christ's law. Christ provides his church faithful teachers who take law and gospel clarity quite seriously. Your good shepherd does not want you following and imitating shepherds who help you justify your sin. He wants you following and imitating shepherds who help you turn from your sin to him. Dear ones, for your greatest comfort, joy, and safety, avoid false teachers in the church and draw close to and imitate the faithful teachers Christ graciously gives you. Make sure to follow church leaders who can see and who can help you see through their law and gospel ministry. If we're ever going to obey Christ, we must understand the spirit of Christ's law. False teachers will train you to neglect the spirit of the law, while faithful teachers will train you to do the law out of love. Look at verses 23 and 24 again. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, here's the reason for the fourth woe, you tithe mint and dill and cumin and have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. Now, tithing was part of the Mosaic law. Leviticus 27, verse 30 says, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land 
or of the fruit of the trees is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Deuteronomy 14, 22 says, you shall tithe all the yield of your seed that comes from the field year by year. So the problem wasn't tithing spices. They're taking things too seriously. That, that wasn't really the problem. The problem was self-righteously tithing spices while neglecting the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. The spirit of the law is love, which demands justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Tithing spices is the lesser of the matter. Okay, and I love the illustration that Jesus gave, straining out a gnat and swallowing a camel. That, that's good stuff. According to the Mosaic law, gnats were the smallest of the unclean animals and camels were the largest of the unclean animals found in Israel. Mosaic law prohibited eating unclean animals. So imagine then with me here, religious leaders drinking their wine. And they notice a tiny little gnat in their cup. Oh my, there's an unclean animal in my wine. Well, I shouldn't drink that. And so they carefully strain out their, their wine and they're pulling that gnat, that unclean, tiny little animal out of there. Okay, it's done. All good. Great. Good shape. But deep within their cup of wine is a camel, the largest of the unclean animals, paying absolutely no attention to this much larger unclean animal in their wine, the religious leaders slam it down. Boom, gulp down the camel. Self-righteous in the smallest of matters. Unrighteous in the biggest. Wow, what hypocrisy. Kids, imagine that your mother comes into the house and she has mud caked all over her shoes. And she's walking in the living room carpet. And she sees you eating crackers. And she becomes fixated. Oh, no, 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 no. Watch out for the, the, the crumbs from your crackers. That's insane. Mom, what in the world? Look at what you're dragging all over the house. That wouldn't make any sense. False teachers miss the spirit of the law. Love for God, love for others. Faithful teachers will not stop you from tithing your spice racks, but they will encourage you to do all of the law out of love, to be passionate about love. Proverbs 21.3 says, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Wow. Sacrifice is important. Righteousness, justice, and love are the spirit of the law and are therefore most important. False teachers nitpick the small things while neglecting the big things. Faithful teachers are faithful in the small things while emphasizing the biggest things. Faithful teachers will give themselves to training you to do the law out of love because they love you and they love Christ. Faithful church leaders are greatly interested in outward behavior, greatly interested in it. However, they are most interested in your heart, in your heart, because your outward behavior is determined 
by your heart. The best leaders will have a deep, deep interest and commitment to your heart, not just your external behavior. False teachers will focus you on outward appearance, while faithful teachers will focus you on the heart. Verses 25 through 28, they're powerful, they're profitable verses. Jesus presents his fifth and sixth woes. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, here's the reason for his fifth woe, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, here's the reason for his sixth woe, you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. Now this cleaning the outside of the cup and plate and not the inside, was metaphorical language for the scribes and Pharisees themselves. Their primary concern was outward appearance with self-righteous displays of religion, but inside they were dirty, full of greed and self-indulgence. And so the point is, the heart needs to be dealt with first, and then the behavior follows suit. What good is decent behavior? respectable and honorable behavior in the sight of others when inside is self-righteousness and coldness toward God and towards others. What good is it? Jesus said, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. The heart needs to change. The heart needs to change before behavior truly changes to honor God, behavior that truly honors God. Contrary to what modern psychology will tell you, behavior modification is not enough. It's not enough. The heart must change, and faithful teachers will focus you on God's means of grace, the means of grace that bring about heart change. There is no true gratitude without the true and transformative grace and power of the gospel. The scribes and Pharisees, they looked religious. Paul, uh, like Paul mentioned in 2 Timothy 3, they had the appearance of godliness but denied its power. They were righteous on the outside but vile on the inside. They truly were hypocrites. In ancient times, uh, they whitewashed tombs with lime, at making them look crisp and clean and beautiful. Some tombs were beautiful, but within them was death and uncleanness. The scribes and Pharisees were the same way, outwardly clean and righteous, inwardly spiritually dead, full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. It's it's obvious to discerning Christians who know the law and the gospel. It's obvious that prosperity preachers preach a false gospel. That's obvious if you're a Christian. It's a false gospel. Their doctrine is unmistakably reprehensible and damaging to people. But it's also striking to consider the lavish lives of these prosperity preachers. 
Their false doctrine emphasizes sowing seeds and giving money to their ministries, and then in the name of ministry, they live these luxurious and extravagant lives. Big mansions, sizable properties, expensive cars, extravagant vacations, sometimes private jets, sometimes multiple private jets in the name of the Lord's work. False teachers are full of greed and self-indulgence, full of hypocrisy, full of lawlessness, and it's made obvious by their lives. Watch them. Now, be careful. We can't judge people's hearts, right? I don't think we should fall prey to that temptation. I don't think we should go around condemning people's hearts. We need to be very careful. But, however, Jesus did instruct us with these words. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. Friends, by simply listening to false teachers, and watching how they live, you can discern relatively easily that the spirit of Christ seems to be missing, gone. Look for the fruit. Faithful leaders sin. They have blind spots. If we're expecting perfection, don't even know what we're gonna do because I'm going to fail you in sin, your elders, every place you go. So you could say, oh, mm -mm, look at that sin in them. No, no, I'm, I'm going to another church. Well, guess what you're going to have? Another? They might have great leaders, but sinful leaders, they will be. So it's not a matter of, of simple you know, sin. Good leaders, the best of leaders will sin. They will have blind spot. That said, faithful church leaders bear the evident fruit of love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, and repentance. That's a big one. Leaders who repent. And they'll show these things in their doctrine. They'll show these things in their public life. They'll show these things in their family life. They'll show these things in their private life. Because the Spirit of Christ is alive in them. There's life there. Discerning Christians can tell that. This is not rocket science. Grace is producing beautiful things in their hearts with then show on the outside. And you benefit from. I think faithful church leaders are deeply concerned about outward holiness, about obeying the law outwardly. They're very concerned about that. Additionally, they are deeply concerned about their own hearts and your heart before the Lord. And they're interested in themselves and you being transformed by the gospel. That the heart would be transformed so that the lifestyle would follow suit. Faithful church leaders are alive in Christ and it shows in their teaching, in their shepherding, and in their living. Maybe it comes down to folks knowing what to look for. Maybe people are just confused about what to look for. 
Maybe the key is what do we look for? Those who follow false teachers can't actually detect the countless doctrinal errors, hypocrisy, and lawlessness. They just justify it all away and explain it and defend the false teachers that they're following because they themselves are dead on the inside. They have no discernment. They don't know. Paul said, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So, brothers and sisters, the greatest spiritual protection against being duped by false teachers is being spiritually alive in Christ. If you're spiritually alive in Christ, that's a great protection. Uh, get close to Jesus. Let him, him live in you. We need to believe the law and the gospel, and we need the spirit of Christ to lead and to guide us through faith, and then God gives us discernment to make sense of these things. We need to commit ourselves to a lifestyle of humble confession, repentance, and true faith, and church leaders ought to be blazing that trail. They ought to be leading us in those things by example. False teachers will hypocritically self-justify, refuse to repent, and run toward hell right in front of you, while faithful teachers will blaze the trail in confession, repentance, and true faith toward heaven. Verses 29 through 33 are interesting. I'm, I'm gonna read them again for you, and I want you to listen to how the scribes and Pharisees justified themselves. They couldn't admit the murderous rage inside of their heart. They, they wouldn't do it. Claiming to revere the prophets, they actually despised the prophets because they refused to believe what the prophets preached, Christ the, the Christ had come and was right there in front of them and they were plotting his death. Israel killed the prophets who preached Christ. And here the scribes and Pharisees were plotting the death of the actual Christ who had come. They were the offspring of murderers and on their way to hell. The people, the people must not follow them. They must not. Jesus said this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for, here's the reason uh, for his last woe, you build the tombs of the prophets and decorate the monuments of the righteous, saying, if we had lived in the days of our fathers, referring to our fathers who killed the prophets, we would not have taken part with them, referring to their forefathers who killed the prophets, in shedding the blood of the prophets, and then Jesus continues, thus you witness against yourself that you are sons of those who murdered the prophets. Fill up then the measure of your fathers, you serpents, you brood of vipers. How are you to escape being sentenced to hell? They were admitting being sons of their murdering forefathers. And Jesus highlights the irony. He's bringing this out. They themselves are also murderers. The cross is looming, and this connects back to the parable of the tenants, and it connects to the parable of the wedding feast. The forefathers of the scribes and Pharisees killed the prophets. Now, here their sons are honoring the prophets, decorating their tombs and monuments, but opposing and plotting the death of the Christ, of God's Son. 
of God's preeminent prophet. What hypocrisy. They linked themselves with the murderers through ancestry, albeit while self-righteously distinguishing themselves from their forefathers' sins, but they are committing the same murderous sins except against the Christ himself. By saying, fill up then the measure of your fathers, it seems like Jesus is saying, as as John Nolan uh, supposes, prove me right. Uh, One paraphrase has it like this, go on then and finish what your ancestors started. And I think it's similar to what Jesus told Judas in the upper room, what you are going to do, do quickly. I think it's a similar type of moment. Remember, Jesus prophesied back in Matthew 20, verse 18, see, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death. Jesus rightly called them serpents. They were serpents. Jesus rightly called them a brood of vipers, the offspring of vipers. I think he was alluding to Genesis 3.15. Remember, the serpent has offspring too. The scribes and Pharisees were children of hell. They were also the brood or the offspring of the devil, as Jesus said in John 8. Jesus laid bare their true colors. They belong to the devil and carry out the devil's desires. Then Jesus declared their condemnation to hell, a clear sentence to hell. How would they escape hell? They wouldn't. They were doing as their forefathers did and would suffer the same sentence of hell. Now, if you want to see an example or an illustration of rampant self-justification, watch an NBA basketball game. My goodness. Uh, A foul is called, and most often, in my experience, the player uh, acts very surprised that he ever could have committed a foul in the game. (laughs) You see that all the time, and it can be nauseating. And um, as if he's not capable of committing a foul, and sometimes the foul, folks, is so obvious. Everybody see the replay, they show it tons of times, and you're like, you hacked the guy. You were like on his back, punching him in the kidneys, and you expect that not to be a foul? And they're like, what? You know, it's pathetic. False teachers are experts in self-justification. They will hypocritically self-justify, they'll refuse to repent, and they'll run toward hell right in front of you, all the while wearing the costume of righteousness and piety and religion. Faithful church leaders will blaze the trail in confession, repentance, and true faith as they set their eyes on Christ and his kingdom and heaven as their final destination. Don't look for perfect church leaders. You'll never be part of the church. Don't look for perfect church leaders. Look for the church leaders who are quick to confess their sins, quick to repent, quick to trust Christ in their weakness, in their need. Look for them. Look for the leaders who are blazing the trail and who will help you confess and repent and believe So this message, I think, is for all of us. For elder shepherds and for the whole congregation. 
Jesus gave you this text to protect you, dear church, because he loves you. He wants you to be discerning about these things, and he wants to equip you to make sense of these things. We must heed the warning of Christ. We must listen to these hard passages where he's giving us uh, training that will lead to comfort and safety for our soul and joy. We must heed the warning of Christ. False teachers are dangerous. They exist in the church and they are very dangerous for your soul. So elder shepherds, this actually defines for you and me what we must repent of and infers uh, what kind of Christ-like leadership we must bring for the benefit of the saints. And this speaks to those outside of this church that are in church leaders We have been given an office, an important role to do a particular thing that God has in mind, and this will shape our leadership. Congregation, this text protects you from false teachers. If you have this kind of stuff in here, your antennas are always up, discerning and thinking and rightly, you know, listening carefully and then imitating the faithfulness you see and being gracious with the imperfect elders and and shepherds that God has given you, but this is helping you be discerning. So it's tempting then as kind of a, an application here at the end, it's, and I understand this temptation, it's tempting to keep church leaders at arm's length for a host of reasons. Some of you, if I ask for a show of hands, who have been burned by church leaders, who have been abused and really hurt, hands would go up. So I understand the hesitancy of getting close to leaders. I get that. It's difficult because maybe in the back of your mind is they're just going to end up hurting me. They're going to fail me. So let's just ease the tension. You're right. We will fail you and hurt you because we're imperfect. Christ is the only perfect leader. But Christ provides you with shepherds who actually love you. Imperfect shepherds, but ones trying to to love Christ and teach you well. So my encouragement is for your own benefit, draw close to those leaders. Invite them into your life, be a part of their life and an accountability to hold them to what Christ has called them to do. Get close. Don't sit from afar and keep them at arm's length. Draw them closer, draw them in because God has placed them in a position of authority to keep watch over your soul. That's a huge responsibility for me and the other elders as a group, not Jonathan keeping, no, it's the group, plurality of elders, shepherding and keeping watch over your soul. God's provided that for your good. You need it. We all do. They're watching over my soul as well. That's God's gift. Draw them close. Invite them in. It only works against you to keep them at arm's length. It will only hurt you because God's provided them for you. And this text is really important to train the church how to think about church leadership. For your greatest comfort, joy, and safety, avoid false teachers in the church. Have the discernment, brothers and sisters, to spot them. And then draw close to and imitate the faithful teachers Christ graciously gives you, particularly in your church. Paul said something that I think every church leader ought to be able to say with conviction, maybe looking into your eyes, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
That has to be the tone of the leaders of the church. Christ is the chief shepherd. The moment we start elevating leaders into the chief spot, we are in really dangerous place. He's the chief shepherd. So for your safety, comfort, and godliness, because your life actually depends on this, dear people, follow and imitate the shepherds who are imitating Christ. The ones that he has given you. He gives them to you to love and serve and help you through them. 